Hello there, and welcome to Public Health Unpacked. Today, we'll be unpacking dengue fever. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I'm Emmanuel, your public health medicine physician, and welcome to the show. If this is your first time here, thank you for joining me. This show is all about unpacking public health topics into digestible chunks, and with that, you can change the world. Dengue fever is one of the neglected tropical diseases or NTDs. It is a viral infection which is transmitted to human beings via the bite of infected mosquitoes. Now what are the, com- the mosquitoes that transmit this virus? Primarily, it is the Aedes mosquitoes. Now there are actually two types of Aedes mosquitoes that we commonly deal with. It's one is Aedes aegypti mosquito and another one is Aedes albopictus. Interestingly, these species of mosquitoes can be differentiated from one another. Generally, both of them would have, have the distinctive black-white uh, patterns on their, on their feet and this is easily visible. Meanwhile, if you take a closer look after you have smacked them dead, of course, at the thorax of the mosquito, the Aedes aegypti would have two stripes over the thorax. Meanwhile, the albopictus would have one stripe, one white stripe. So that's probably one way of differentiating them. So here we've established that dengue fever is a viral infection in human beings that is caused by the bite of an infected mosquito. In this case, the mosquito is a vector. So sometimes uh, dengue fever is also known as one of the vector-borne diseases, whereby the Aedes mosquito, which is infected, serves as the vector that transmits the virus infection, the dengue virus infection, into the human body. There are currently four known dengue virus, aptly named DEN1, DEN2, DEN3, and you know it, DEN4. These four viruses are from the Flaviviridae family, and it is said that infection with one serotype would uh, provide lifelong immunity towards that serotype. However, each location, uh, community, or population would have certain uh, circulating strain that is predominant in that community. But when there is a shift in the different strain, for instance, previously the community has predominantly circulating DEN1 virus, but uh, recently there's been some shift towards DEN2 or 3. This exposure to a different strain can have a severe effects whereby it can cause a more severe dengue infection in the person. So let's take a moment now to dive into the dengue fever, the dengue infection itself. Now, after being bitten by an Aedes mosquito, which has been infected by the dengue virus, either probably they have bitten someone else as well, and the virus has entered the gut of the mosquito. Now, after being bitten, the person would probably have an incubation period of about 4 to 10 days before they start to develop symptoms. Now, what are the common characteristics of symptoms of dengue fever? Now, as the name implies, fever would probably be one of the main characteristics whereby a person may develop high-grade fever, more than 38 degrees Celsius, and they may sustain severe headaches. Uh, They may also complain of retroorbital pain. They may also suffer um, pain uh, in the joints and muscles. And and bone pain is commonly strongly associated with one of the symptoms of dengue fever. And some of them may have also flu-like symptoms, as well as nausea vomiting. Uh, in fact, the bone pain uh, in, in Mandarin 
呃、uh, ，dengue fever is called 骨痛热症 ，basically literally transmit to 呃、uh, bone pain with fever or fever with bone pain. So generally, that that signifies the bone pain being quite a significant characteristics in dengue fever. Now there are no、uh, specific treatment for dengue fever. Generally, they will be given symptomatic treatment. In for instance, if they have fever, chills, they'll be given medication to help relieve the symptoms.、Um, one of the main concern will be patients losing fluid from their circulatory system, and they may go into a certain circulatory collapse. Now, for them, there'll be supportive treatment in the hospital to manage their fluid balance and homeostasis in the person. So, having talked about the characteristics of dengue fever and actually how dangerous it could be, let's take a look at what's the burden of this disease in the world. According to the CDC, about half of the world's population—that's about four billion people—live in areas with risk of dengue. And then this is a leading cause of illness in those areas with risk. And estimated up to 400 million people get infected with dengue per year. And from that 400 million who were infected, 100 will get sick from infection, meaning they will be symptomatic or they would present to the healthcare facility. And from that, 40,000 will die from severe dengue. As mentioned just now, the dengue do not have specific treatment, but more of supportive care. And even with the best best support,、uh, based on the patient's、uh, presentation or underlying diseases and comorbidities, there will be those who would suffer and might die from this infection, which is totally preventable in the first place. So up to this point, we have unpacked the dengue fever, the characteristics of those who have been infected, the vector that transmit this infection. As well, the distribution or the burden of this disease globally. Now, let's talk about the prevention and control. Now, to better understand this, let's look at dengue fever infection from the epidemiological trend of disease. So, using the epidemiological trend of disease causation, namely the host, agent, and environment, this balance between the three triangle, three parts of the triangle. Let us try to put in perspective the dengue fever in this case. So, in terms of agent, we can put the dengue virus, then one, then two, then three, then four, as the agent of this disease. Now, the host here would invariably be the human host, and the environment. We can also include the vector as one of the key component which causes the transmission of this disease. So in this epidemiological triad, as mentioned previously, in the absence of any one of this factor, we would prevent the infection. However, it is because the presence of all these three factors—the presence of the human host, vulnerable human host, the presence of the dengue virus in the environment, and the presence of the environment which has the vector to transmit that infection—so having all these three together. Would promote an infection or increase the risk of infection for the human being. So, by looking at the dengue fever via the epi- epidemiological trial of disease causation, we can address the prevention and control activities as well. However, in at the current moment, in terms of host protection, there isn't any known、uh, vaccine available at the moment to prevent. Uh, infection via vaccination in the host, so that's one out of the way. 
Number two, in terms of the agent, they are the vi dengue virus circulates within the the mosquito, and of course, uh, if the mosquito bites and the infected human, then they help to pass it on. So usually, in terms of any outbreak or disease control for dengue, once we have detected the case, the case is to be isolated or uh, quarantined to prevent them from being exposed to other vector the mosquito which may bite and also transmit the infection to other people within that vicinity therefore from a prevention and control point of view the basic concept is if there's no aedes mosquito or there's no aedes mosquito bite therefore there's no dengue fever so when you prevent the vector from biting or stop the vector from breeding around the area that the person is staying that would uh, ultimately prevent infection or spread of the infection within that community therefore clearly the prevention and control focus a lot on the vector control and the environment that promotes the vector so you may ask what if i'm a person living in an area with dengue fever endemic to dengue fever what can i do well the, to begin with we all need to take active action to search and destroy the advice would be every week once a week spend 10 minutes of your time to actively search and destroy mosquito breeding grounds now Aedes mosquito likes to breed in clear stagnant water even a small amount as a teaspoon amount of clear water would be adequate enough for them to breed to lay their eggs which after five days and will turn into uh, adult mosquitoes which then has the ability to transmit infection from person to person furthermore the control and prevention is difficult especially in areas whereby there's the monsoon season whereby the stagnant water may occur and allow for the eggs to hatch uh, the Aedes mosquitoes eggs have the ability to remain dormant for at least nine months and during that nine months when it's exposed to water stagnant water again it will be able to uh, grow into larvae pupa and then adult mosquitoes so this search and destroy needs to be done on a weekly basis. Why? Because the mosquito life cycle is about one week. So we need to constantly search and destroy to prevent all these uh, eggs from developing into uh, larva and pupa and therefore growing into adults. So this is what you can do uh, if you're in an endemic area. And this search and destroy should also cover both the outdoor as well as the indoor area. Uh, indoors, if there's a breeding area that is not found, it may cause a large outbreak within the family. And in terms of outdoor, of course, you do not want that to cause uh, spread across the whole community as well. Now, how about if you are a person coming to an endemic area, what should you do? Well, you need to be, of course, be aware whether if this is an endemic area of dengue fever, be mindful of your surrounding perhaps also conduct a search and destroy if you are in that area for a period of time uh, prevent mosquito bites as much as possible wearing the mosquito repellent and long sleeve shirts and pants that may help as well but should you return from such endemic area and you start having fever chills it is important to seek health as soon as possible as well as inform your healthcare provider of your traveling history as that may help them to make a better diagnosis faster Another point about prevention and control that I would like to make about is a lot of people, community, assume that oh well, doing fogging, having the white smoke, 
uh, all around during the control and prevention of any outbreak or dengue case in a locality is good enough already. But that is a misconception. The fogging activity actually aims to just kill off the whatever adult mosquitoes that are around. The idea is that when you kill off all these adult mosquitoes, at least you prevent this mosquito which has the potential of carrying or the virus in their body from biting another person and infecting that person. That's number one. But uh, the fogging activity itself, as mentioned, it only kills off the adult mosquito. We know that the mosquito has two, two main life cycles, one in the water when they develop into from eggs into larvae and then pupa that takes about five days five to seven days so by just killing off the adult mosquitoes you have not tackled the the this phase of the larva and pupa so that's why the importance of search and destroy being done on a regular basis once a week 10 minutes each time is important in effectively preventing future spread and outbreak of any dengue fever in the community. Now finally before we wrap this up, just would like to touch on one last point. Dengue fever is one of the neglected tropical diseases. Therefore it means that it is one of the diseases that affect a large portion of the population especially in Asia and it's commonly neglected or not being addressed properly in the global stage. This has issue of, of course, social justice as well as equitable health. Now, commonly, dengue outbreaks occur in places that have very poor social determinants of health. These include areas such as slums with poor social economic activity, whereby it will promote uh, infection in those areas because of the original setup of the slums. Crowding in those populations will lead to large infection poor hygiene, poor sanitation as well as having stagnant water. Furthermore, these communities might not seek help early or do not even have access to healthcare and they are the ones who may suffer the most in terms of mortality or morbidity. Finally, to wrap this show up today, we know that the number one dengue fever is a neglected tropical diseases. It affects majority of the population disproportionately, especially affecting the marginalized population number two prevention and control of dengue relies heavily on the vector control as well as the environment the concept here is still same there's if there's no aedes mosquito no bite then there's no dengue and finally we are always to be mindful of our surroundings if we are aware that this is a heavy mosquito burden area conduct the following actions of search and destroy regularly to make sure that the mosquito no longer be able to breed. Uh, you can perform your own fogging at home using the mosquito repellent as well as making sure you wear the appropriate PPE for instance mosquito repellent on the body and wearing long sleeves and pants if you're going to an area uh, high risk of uh, mosquito bites. Alrighty then we have come to the end of today's show. I hope you have enjoyed today's topic as much as I have been preparing them. If you find this useful, please share it among your friends and feel free to check out previous topics such as epidemiological triad or triangle of disease causation, social determinants of health and as well as neglected tropical diseases. Once again, thank you very much and I'll see you next time. Take care.